So today we're keeping our uh, track on the, on the kingdom series. And the kingdom of God, the Bible says, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom we're a part of. Righteous, everybody say it. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Say it again. Righteousness, peace, and joy. That is ours. It's a, it, it is a supernatural righteousness, the desire to do what's right. That wasn't the way I was before I was born again. I was doing wrong and trying to figure out new ways to do wrong. Once you get born again, then the spirit of rightness, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of righteousness comes inside of you and you become a truth seeker and you want integrity and honesty. And then the peace, which surpasses your understanding, which we're going to look at today. And then the joy of the Lord, which the Bible literally says, joy unspeakable, full of glory. Meaning sometimes you have encounters with the Lord where you are so joyful that literally it's unspeakable. This happened to my daughter, Bella, not too long ago. She was at a church service and she was overwhelmed with anxiety and she went up for prayer which is why we always uh, make prayer available because you never know what's going to happen, but you have to make it available and you have to come. You have to have that encounter, that participation. Jesus wants invitation. And so she got prayed for and she hit the ground and she laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. The joy of the Lord, the supernatural gift from God broke her out of her anxiety and her fear and depression and all that. It was a it was a supernatural love bomb of joy. And she called me and she was, Dad, it happened to me. Right? Now, that's an encounter that she will remember for the rest of her life. Christianity, this book is not a book of information. It is a book of encounters from the first page to the last. And it's not just contained to those that are in that book. It's now ours. The kingdom is ours. Righteousness, peace, and joy. So we're a supernatural people part of a supernatural kingdom, walking with a supernatural God. And so today I want to take out the peace, peace of righteousness, peace and joy. And I want us to take a look at the pathway to peace. What is the opposite of peace? People need peace today. We here today need peace. Every day we are needing more peace, wanting more peace, trying to find more peace. People do all sorts of things to experience peace. Here's the opposite of peace. The opposite of peace is noise, disturbance, agitation, hostility, disorder, war, discord, strife. Does that sound familiar? And that can not only be external, that can also be internal. That disturbance, that disorder, the strife, the, fr the fragmentation within your own emotions your own psyche trying to find that peace it's like it's a picture of like the other day one of my kids were sitting up at the bar in our kitchen and they didn't see that there was a glass right next to them and so they they swung around in their chair to see something bam they hit that glass and it went just shattered everywhere that glass sitting on the counter is peace or wholeness completeness undisturbed no fractures no cracks it's usable. Once it hit the ground, it was unusable. It was shattered. That's, that's what our world looks like right now. That's what relationships are looking like. That's what some of us in our souls are looking like. So I want to talk to you today about the pathway 
to peace, the pathway to wholeness. You're over here shattered and tattered and broken and fragmented, maybe not your whole life, but parts and areas of your life. And I want to talk about how to get from this place of shatteredness to the place of wholeness. And so let's go to the book of Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven. It says this, the opening of the scripture, I'm going to give you the, the front and the back of it, and I'm going to fill in the middle. The beginning of the scripture, Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. So what, a, what, what, a, what a crazy command. Don't worry about anything. Wouldn't that be a nice life to live right there? Who would like to live life not worrying about anything? No anxiety, no worry, no fretting. Hey, Ken, would you like to live that kind of life? Yeah. Worry free. Like worry, what's that? It's been so long since I worried, I can't even get in touch with what you're talking about. Wouldn't that be a wonderful existence? That's why that scripture opens. Worry, don't worry about anything. It's like, well, easier said than done. The last part of the scripture says this. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. So how do we get from the worry, panic, anxiety place all the way over here to the peace that is so profound it literally is beyond your understanding. Like you can't explain it to anybody. Not only do you not know how to get it, 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 didn't, it doesn't even, it doesn't compare to anything on earth. It's like trying to explain the peace of God. It's like trying to explain to somebody what it's like being in love when they've never been in love before. Right? Mom, dad, am I in love? No. Yeah. No, well, no, that's not, that's not, yeah. Well, no, you're not. And you're not going to be for three, four more years. No. Mom, dad, am I in love? The answer clearly is no. Now, how can you clearly say no to that question? Because if you have to ask, you're not in love. Because when you're in love, you know you're in love. There's no way to explain it. The love of God. I, that's one of the hardest topics, believe it or not, for me to preach on is the love of God. You know why? Because there's nothing on earth that you can point to that is equal to the love of God. Illustrations all fall flat. You're trying to explain to somebody the love of God. It's like, how do you do that? But, for a person that has encountered the love of God, they don't need you to explain it to them. Are you with me? You tracking? It's the same with the peace of God. So how do we get from this tattered place all the way over to this peace of God that surpasses your understanding place? Well, there's a pathway, and it's right here in the scripture. So there's three steps to this peace. I'm going to read the scripture, and then we're going to look at these three pieces. I'm going to open it up again. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. I'm going to say it again. Don't worry about anything. Instead, 
pray about everything. Everybody say pray about everything. That's the first step. Pray about everything. The second step, tell God what you need. Say it out loud. Second step. Third step, and thank him for all he has done. Say it out loud. Boom. There's your pathway to peace right there. All right, so we're going to start with the first one right here. Pray about everything. What does that mean? It does mean pray about everything. What does it mean to pray about everything? It means to be real. Be real with God. My son Josiah and I were driving down the freeway one day, and we were talking about the chaos in the world and 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 the fear that it brings into your heart, and and all the videos of violence and our kids with their social media. Man, there's the pummel day and night with videos of people beating each other up, and violence, and hatred, and racism, and cancel culture and criticism and it's just uh, and it just you know they're like my god the sky is falling you know it's just it's horrible we've been through things like this before but you never had social media i mean you'd have to turn on one of the three channels on the on the television to see what was going on around the world right but now it's in your face all the time it fills your heart with fear so we were talking about this and uh i brought up this scripture i said hey you know the bible says don't worry about anything but pray about everything that means be honest, tell God what you need, that's be specific, and thank God for what he has done. That's be thankful. Be honest, be specific, be thankful. Be honest, be specific, be thankful. That's the pathway to peace. So I said, let's do this. I said, let's pray, let's practice this. So down there, he goes, okay, God, I thank you. I said, eh, stop, stop. What was wrong with that prayer? Sorry, Joe, what was wrong with that prayer? I said, let's do this. Let's go from our fear and panic and anxiety to the place of peace that surpasses your understanding. Let's do this pattern. And he began with, God, I just want to thank you. That's number three. That's number three. Thank you, Ken. So he's over here in panic, and he's trying to leapfrog these first two steps. And get all... Now, why, why is it hard for us? Why don't people want to be honest about their pain? That's an open question for you right now. Why, why are we so uncomfortable being honest about what is troubling us? Shame. Feels like shame. That's interesting. Yeah. Why shame? Shame because I feel, feel bad. I feel bad about my, my, my actions. Okay, so shame over your actions. And it's like, I don't want to talk about it, right? right? And so you keep it bottled up. Somebody else, why are we afraid to talk about what's real? Pride. Oh, Rick's got pride. Everybody reach your hands out toward Rick right now. Uh, we'll take that as a confession. And, and what's great about this is Rick is over there in the holy temple of the Lotz's house. Look at that thing. Look what they bring out to the park. That's like Moses' tabernacle, man. <laughs> the presence of God is thick over there. These little, these little cheap canopies. I don't know what's going on there, but that right there. Okay, so you got pride. You don't admit that you have any weaknesses. Do you know what the Bible says God does with the proud? Huh? He opposes them. He resists them. He's like, oh, you got this? All right, I'll just let you go ahead and do your thing. But what's he do to the humble? Gives grace. That's power, empowerment. It's like, oh, you're going to be honest. Great. Now we can actually have a conversation. Another reason people uh, 
don't want to be honest about how they're really feeling. Don't want to be hurt. Feels like a lack of faith. Vulnerability seems like a lack of faith. Yeah. So I was raised in a vain Christianity, which I'm deeply and forever grateful for. But there was a part of it that didn't work, and that is you can never have a negative confession, meaning you can never tell somebody about your true current condition. Now, what's the what? What's the problem with that? <laughs> we can just leave it right there. I hear it's not scriptural. Bam. What else? It's not honest. What I was taught was if you are sick or you are broke or you are are fearful or depressed or whatever, if you tell somebody that you're agreeing with it with your words, which empowers it. What I So I lived that way for many years. And what I found is that's actual actually fear that you don't think that you can tell somebody about the mountain. It's fear that actually thinks it's going to grow. No, we're going to blow the sucker into the into the sea in just a few minutes. But I need somebody to partner with me, and they won't know what we're blowing into the sea if I can't even tell them. Second thing, it reduces intimacy. What if one of your kids came to you and started confessing their fears? Their jealousy over somebody at school that's faster, stronger, smarter, better looking. Envy because they have the guy that... I'm in love with, I have a crush on, or they got the promotion and I wanted to have that promotion or that person's succeeding and I'm not succeeding. I feel envious and jealous or lustful or fearful or prideful. Whatever. What if one of your kids came to you and started sharing their heart? Would you say to them, stop that, stop, don't say that. Would you shut them down? Are you better than God? Why would you open them up? Why would you let them pour out their heart to you? Come on, talk to me. Why would you let your child pour out their heart to you? Because you love them. You love them. They trust you. You want them to trust you. You can help them. You can help them grow. Yeah, huh? One of my favorite, if not the favorite verse of mine in the entire Bible, Psalm 62, 8, it says, trust the Lord at all times, people. Pour out your heart before him, for he is a refuge for us. If you can't be honest with God, you cannot have a relationship with God. That honesty creates intimacy. Okay, let's take the son of God. I am so depressed, I feel like I'm going to die. You know who said that? Jesus. And you know who he told that to? His friends. Would you please pray for me? I'm so depressed. I feel like my soul is going to be crushed. He needed better friends because they slept instead of helping. But here's the son of God. Pouring out. Okay, the Psalms. We're going to get off this point here in just a second. But the Psalms. Most of the Psalms begin with David saying, what the heck, man? <laughs> a paraphrase, by the way. But like Psalm 22. God, why have you forsaken me? I'm praying all night long and you're not answering my prayers. You're like, well, that's not a faith confession. But that's coming from the young man that God called a man after my own heart. The man who slayed a lion and slayed a bear and slayed Goliath, the greatest king Israel ever had. Don't mess with David. 
He was the man of faith of the Old Testament. But when you have these emotions and these feelings, to feel like you don't have the permission to tell your God about it means you're going to have a very shallow two-dimensional relationship with God and with those around you. The book of James says, tell one another your weaknesses and pray for one another so that you can be healed. It begins with honesty. And when you're honest, you see, you don't get close to somebody by sharing your strengths. It's like, oh, that's awesome. You did a great job. But when you share your weakness, all of a sudden you're inviting them in to a very private place, a vulnerable place. It's, it, it's, a, it's a privilege to do that with someone. And then what happens is this. The place of your greatest pain becomes the place of your greatest ministry. Because who's better to help a drug addict than a former drug addict? Or somebody who went through divorce with somebody who's going through divorce? Or somebody who deals with panic attacks with somebody who overcame panic attacks? Or somebody who was bankrupt and has recovered from that to help somebody that's struggling financially? You see, your, your place of greatest pain becomes your place of greatest ministry to others. As God comforts you, you comfort others. So be real with God. And so Josiah and I started praying again. And uh, I said, okay, let's start with being real. And he said, okay, um, what do I say? I said, tell God exactly how you feel. He said, I don't know how I feel. I said, tell him that. And he just kind of stood out the front windshield. Now he's way beyond this now. And now he knows how to get real with God. And he's, he's, he's up and running. But this is, this is when we were learning how to do this together. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll go first. We're driving around the road. I said, God, I am angry. People are tearing our country down, burning down buildings, ruining people's lives. Racism is worse than ever, and it did not have to be this way. And I just started pouring out my heart to God. But you can't stay there. You can't stay there. Everybody say, you can't stay there. The next part of the scripture is, tell God what you need. Be specific. After you pour out your heart to God and God's right there with you and he's listening to you and he's feeling you because he was human too. Then you tell God exactly what you need, exactly what you want. Pray specifically. Why do some people not pray specific prayers? Open question. Why do you think some people don't pray specific prayers? Okay, fear of what? Of what? Getting it wrong and not know exactly what God wants. But what about what you want? How about if you feel you don't, you're not worthy? You don't, you're, you don't, you don't deserve it. You feel like you're not worthy you don't deserve it. Well, you're not worthy and you don't deserve it, Ken. All right. So now that we're done with that. It's like you're not being holy or something. Like not being holy? What's that about? Okay, so. Kids, here you are as a parent. Remember, sometimes I guess without realizing we think we're better than God. Kids, what do you want for Christmas? Uh, your will be done, mom and dad. That ain't happening around our house. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Just yesterday, one of my kids said, hey, if you're going to get me a new iPhone, I need one big enough for my hand because I don't like the small one in my hand. They know what they want. I remember one time I was telling a street person downtown San Diego. He was, he was a homeless person. I said, hey, I want to... 
uh, I'm not going to give you any money. He was asking money. I said, no, I'm not going to give you money, but I'll go into Wendy's here and I'll get you a hamburger. And he said, okay, I don't want pickles. I want extra mustard. And I thought, what's going on right now? <laughs> uh, you got to respect that, man. The dude knows exactly what he wants and he's willing to ask for it. Well, people have a real problem with this because it seems ungrateful. It seems like, gosh, God gave us his only son. What am I doing asking God for anything, let alone something specific? Well, guess what? God's better than us. The joy that you and I have in giving our kids some of their desires and certainly all of their needs comes from the Father's heart. I have a couple of friends that are very mature Christians, and they don't pray specifics. And I was on the, I was on a conference call with them, like, oh, no, no, I don't pray specifics. I don't either. And I said, yeah, but guess who's got the stories of specific prayers being answered? I just ask for way more than I should ever ask for. And then you get more than you would get if you'd never asked. Then you get to heaven, you can apologize for asking for too much stuff. Okay, I'll give you a couple examples and I'm going to move on. Because you've got to pray specifically. Because look, the more specific you pray, the more glory God gets when that prayer is answered. Not only does he get joy by answering your specific prayers because he loves you because he's your dad. He actually is a giver and he loves giving. You won't get everything you pray for, nor should you, but you're not going to get anything if you don't ask. You have not because you ask not. Ask specifics. Not only does he get joy out of it, when it's answered, you can tell the story. Like when my when, when uh, Hope went in the garden as she goes through chemo. And I asked, uh, you've heard this before, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you again. So I asked a landscape architect friend of mine, how much, is the, how much do, you, do I need to begin a project of a garden? They, she said about $5,000. So I went into my bedroom immediately, knelt down and said, Jesus, I'm asking you for $5,000. Two days later, um, a single mom in our church here uh, came up to Hope and said, Jesus told me, or came up to Miss Brenda, said, Jesus told me to give this to Hope. And it was a check for $5,000. Another time we needed 20 grand to put on a down payment for a house. We didn't have 20 grand. We had zero in the bank and I wasn't making enough money uh, to, to get a loan. And so we prayed about it. And it was about a week later, a friend of mine called me up and said, a lady just walked into our office and she got an inheritance. And she said that she was driving down Wildcat Canyon Road in Ramona and the Lord spoke to her and said to give a pastor $20,000. Now, I had not seen her in 10 years. She didn't even know if I still lived in San Diego. But my friend, who was a money manager, she went into his office and said, the Lord told me to give $20,000 to a pastor. And he said, well, that's amazing. What's his name? She said, John Ator. Well, he and I are friends. He about fell out of his chair because it was 30 days earlier. I was asking him, what kind of a CD do we have to buy? And how long would it take the mature to get 20 grand? So he knew we needed 20 grand. And of all of San Diego County, God speaks to her. She goes to him and he calls me. Love it. Orchestration, 20 grand. Of course, all my friends said, you should have asked for more, right? I don't, I don't know how that works. We needed 20 grand. We asked for 20 grand. We didn't get 19 or 21. We got 20. I could go on with these specific testimonies. Pray specifically. God, what do you need? I'm pouring out my heart to you. This is my burden. This is where I'm at. Just pour it out. That's honesty. That's where the relationship deepens and it's real with God. Then don't stay there because you'll get sad and depressed. And so now start exercising faith and you see the Psalms 
Mark was going to preach this type of message today. He called serving wine with your Thanksgiving. W-H-I-N-E. Isn't that cute? Mark is very good at this. This lamentation deal. But you get to this place, now you're releasing faith. All the Psalms that start out with lamentations. Oh God, where are you? How come you not answer my prayers? Which is honesty. It's not like he's going to find out about your feelings when you say that prayer to him. He already knows what's going on inside of you. You're just being honest about it. You're like, well, if he already knows, why do I need to pray? Jesus said, your father knows what you need before you ask him. Therefore, when you pray. It's like, well, if he knows what I need and he knows what's going on, why do I need to tell him? Because he needs an invitation into your situation. That's why I said earlier, you can come to church like this and just sit there and do this and get nothing from God. The person next to you is choosing to engage and they're having an encounter. God will not force himself on you. So Jesus wants you to engage him and pray. Think about the blind man. Two blind men. Jesus walks by two blind men and they cry out to him. Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus turns around and looks at the blind man and says, what do you want me to do for you? Wow, I thought you were sharp uh than that. <laughs> All right, uh, I guess the Son of God needs a little help knowing what my needs are. We would like to be able to see. And he healed him and said, your faith has made you whole. Solomon sacrifices to God all night long. In a dream, God comes to him and says, ask! Exclamation point. What do you want? He was seeking God. And God says, what do you want? He says, I need wisdom for leadership. He knew exactly what he needed. And he asked for it. And God said, okay, I just made you the wisest man that will ever live on the earth. Oh, by the way, I'm also going to make you rich. God did that. Our God's better than we are. You know that, right? Our religious mindsets. There was a couple that left our church because I'd asked, we'd asked for 20 grand. And I didn't see him for a few weeks. So I called him up and I said, where, where have you guys been? What's up? You need prayer? And they said, no, we left the church. I said, why? Because we didn't think it was right for you to ask God for $20,000. And before I could think, out of my mouth, I said, well, he, he could have kept it. He didn't have to give it just because I asked for it. Like he's some kind of a genie in a bottle that I found on the beach and he has to do what I say. He could have said no. They came back to the church. See, this religious mindset we have. So pour out your heart. Okay, so be honest, be specific. And then thirdly, be thankful. So important. This is like, I don't know if you guys know what two, two, uh, two, engine, uh, two, two uh, cycle engines are, but like a weed eater, like a a leaf blower, like a chainsaw. What you got to do, you're putting the gas in there to get that engine going, right? Pouring out your heart, being specific in your prayers, releasing faith, but that oil, you got to mix oil in there with the gas to keep that thing lubricated and working well. That oil, that is thankfulness, man. You got to keep thankfulness going through the whole deal because if you're, if you're just all about the, the pain you're going through in the moment, and then you're praying things and you're waiting for those things to come to pass before you have thankfulness, you're dead in the water. Thankfulness needs to be a consistent flow through our entire lives. Lord, I poured out my heart. I've been specific on what I want, but I just want to say something to you right now. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for all the things you've done in my past, all those answered prayers. 
I thank you for what you're doing in my life in these other areas I see so important. I'm not getting fixated on what I want right now. I want to be thankful for the other things you are doing in my life. You see, if we focus on what God's not doing rather than what God is doing, you're going to have stinking thinking and it's going to pull you right down into depression. We were on intercessory call a couple of weeks ago and we were praying over our nation. We're praying over sick people in our church. We're praying over financial stuff. I mean, it was like we we're pouring out our hearts and asking specific, pouring out our hearts, asking specific. And it was it was just getting heavy and negative and burdensome as we're praying and praying. And finally, Julie McLean hadn't said anything all night. And she, she broke in and she said, uh, I, I have something I would like to say with her Australian accent, which is just beautiful. And she said, I just want to give God thanks. And it like changed the atmosphere of the Zoom prayer call. She just started thanking, Lord, I thank you that you're faithful. Lord, I thank you that you're good. Lord, I thank you that you are the God who can handle anything. God, and she, also we all just started giving thanks. And all of a sudden, man, we were at a whole, were you on that call, Gary? We were at a whole nother level of faith and joy and appreciation because of the power of thankfulness. This happened to me one year, and I'll close with this. In 2010, 10 years ago, I had gotten the stinking thinking so bad that one of my kids was in the back seat. I was 47 at the time. I'm 57 now. They said, Dad, in a few years, you're going to be 50 years old. I said, yeah, 50-year-old loser. Oh, thanks for laughing. That's nice. Boy, I need new friends too, just like Jesus. Ah, and so, and so hope, hope, hope slams her fist on the dashboard. And she said, I've had it. She said, we're not living like this anymore. You see, for a dude, especially we're designed by God to build things, to construct things, to engineer things. The word father literally means an initiator of things. That's why we like to fix everybody's problems, including everybody in the household Every, every need you have is like, we're going to fix it. I'm going to get out a tool. I'm going to fix that right now. Have you ever seen the nail on the head video? I'm going to fix that. If you haven't, you got to look it up. Nail on the head, YouTube. Just say nail on the head. You'll see it. We'll fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it, right? The older you get, the more unrealized dreams you have. But you also have some realized dreams. The problem is when you start taking your eyes off the realized dreams onto the unrealized dreams, you're going down a very dark road. And it's very depressing and discouraging. And you become someone that's like, you know, that 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 uh, that cartoon character on the peanuts, right? That has the flies all. Who is that? Linus? Pigpen. You're a pigpen. Nobody wants to be around you. You're all negative and and sad all the time. That was me. Because there were things, some things that had not come to pass yet. And so that's why middle-aged men in particular, or middle-aged people in particular, need to be careful cynicism. Optimism can be a fault when you're young, but it's also your strength. Cynicism is the is the sin of uh, middle-aged because there's so many things you want to have see have come to pass that have not come to pass. You become cynical. You got to be careful. Thankfulness keeps you out of cynicism. Amen. Thankfulness keeps you humble. Thankfulness keeps your eyes on God, not on the earth. And so she said, either you change or you make a change. Well, we're not living like this anymore. I said, no, I'm just kidding. She said, no, you're not. And neither am I. I was like, woo. Mufasa. I felt that all the way down my spine, man. I was like, oh, dude, you better figure this out fast. So I went on a two-day retreat. First 
two days. First day and a half, I ate pizza and watched football and slept and avoided the whole thing. But halfway, uh, the second half of, the, of that, that, that second day, I thought, I better get on the stick because I got to face hope in just about six hours here. So, <laughs> so I, I did what I do. I got a blank piece of paper, legal pad. I got in a chair and I sat there and I said, God, it gives me as much anxiety to think about changing myself, which I can't, as it does to make a change in life, a career change. Because what do I do? been doing this you called me when i was like 24 years old that's all i've been doing and here's what he said to me that changed my life from that day to this let's start with thankfulness and go from there it was like this window opened to where i found myself and to this day something broke open in me even though i get frustrated and discouraged and anxious and all that stuff like everybody else there's something different inside of me that never used to be there. And that is I am thankful for the smallest things in my life. It is a lifesaver and a life uh, thriver, man. I mean, it is amazing what thankfulness does. And it's easier if you've ever been on the mission field, third world country. I mean, it's so easy to be thankful for anything. Refrigerators, toilets, toilet paper. You don't have to go in a hole over there. Seriously. I know it's kind of graphic, but hey, it's real, man. I'm constantly thanking the Lord for all sorts of stuff, man. A house, a car, even if it's only running on a couple cylinders, it's moving. We don't have to walk half a day to get five gallons of polluted water and bring it back to your village. I mean, oh, thankfulness, man. Full of anxiety, worry, fractured, fragmented. Tell God about it. Tell somebody else about it. Be honest. Don't stay there. Be specific. Don't stay there. Be thankful. He says, if you do that, you're going to end up in a place where God's peace that surpasses your understanding will guard your heart. How many of you need your heart guarded from this stuff? And your mind, your thoughts, where the real battle is as you live in Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, Josh, why don't you come on up here? We're going to do this. I'm going to have you do this now. We're going to practice. Josh, I yes. just heard a sermon back up everything you said. I said your state of mind in this world right now, people, their state of mind is going to uh, communicate whether they're going to be hopeless or hopeful. And then the three steps you talked about, be vulnerable, specific, and thankful that's wonderful he said he just heard a message on how to be hopeful not hopeless and it's a state of mind this is the pathway to that state of mind be be real be specific in what you want tell him just wait till i answer some of those specific prayers that's how you made it so cool be thankful Okay, now it's your turn to practice this. Not just hear it preach, but now it's time for response. It's this response time now. So I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes where you are. I'm going to walk you through this, okay? But this is your deal between you and God. Come on, keep it real. Right now, whatever you're going through in your life that is creating anxiety, fear, worried about it, anxious about it, depressed about it, angry about it, lustful about it, prideful about it, whatever it is you're dealing with, 
right now, just off your lips. You have a mask on so nobody can see what you're saying, so that's cool. Just begin to tell God right now. Pour out your heart before him. Say, God, I am really fearful for my friends right now. I'm living with this anxiety. God, I'm, I'm, I'm envious. I'm coveting somebody else's what somebody else has. I'm lustful. I'm angry. I'm worried. Come on, pour it out. Off your lips to him. Start talking to him. We're going to do this for about one minute, so don't, don't waste this moment. Get it out. Start telling them. also incredibly healthy for what you just did to do that with another person how many of you have somebody in your life that you can be completely gut honest transparent with without the fear of being rejected raise your hand if you got somebody like that in your life you can just be like honest to the core of your being and not be afraid you're gonna be that is a huge gift before church started i was back here with about five people in pre-service prayer and i just said you guys need to pray for me and i confessed some unforgiveness I'm living with right now in my heart. And it's sucking me under. I can't live it. I can't live like this. And I asked, would you please pray for me? I wanted to confess that. I wanted to get that out. I mean, it, it's hard. It, it's difficult being a preacher, preaching the things we're supposed to be living. And you find yourself not living it. And you're caught. And I'm caught. So I asked them. I've got unforgiveness and anger in my heart right now. And I need you guys to pray for me. They began praying for me, man. That's start, that starts the healing process. Okay, now let's get specific. Close your eyes again. And you do this online as you're watching here. Don't be afraid to ask specifically for needs and wants. Doesn't mean you're going to get it, but you're not going to get it for sure if you don't ask. And don't pray small prayers. That offends a big God. Pray prayers that are as big as your God. Pray specifically. Go ahead right now. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds. Pray specific prayers right now. This is not your will be done. This is what is it you want to see happen? Because much of that will be in his will anyway. If it's not in his will, you're not going to get it, so don't worry about it. Now, how many of you prayed a specific prayer? Like one that, if it was answered, you would say, okay, that was the Lord. I'm going to tell you, that's going to rock your relationship with God. All right, now... Let's put the oil in the machine to keep your spiritual life greased and moving. Begin to thank God. Just close your eyes. Come on. Thank him for who he is. Thank him for things he's done in the past. Be specific with your thanksgiving. Thank him for things he is doing. 
Come on, begin to pour out your thanksgiving to him. You're going to end up with a peace in your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Just keep giving thanks. to a conference in Reading and on the drive home, it was a 10 hour drive home and we were exhausted, we were kind of burned out from the weekend and there was a lot of traffic leaving this town and you know how lovely traffic can be sometimes and how it can challenge you and we were just so negative when we were leaving that town and there was a lot of frustrating things happening people cutting us off and I was getting angry and my wife how amazing wives are I mean what's going on here <laughs> I remember she just kind of stopped the whole flow of negativity and she's like why don't we just start giving thanks for this weekend and giving thanks to God and so begrudgingly I was like okay Lord well I just thank you for this weekend and I thank you for this that and the other thing about 10 minutes into giving thanks, the holiness of God dropped in that car. And it wasn't pretend. I'm not, I'm not pretending in this, in this moment. The power of God dropped in that car. And all of a sudden just started crying out, holy singing out holy as I'm driving this car I'm singing out holy and I'm speaking in tongues and our friend in the back she's thanking God my wife's thanking God and we entered in to his gates with thanksgiving so let's do it right it starts with thanksgiving So get your eyes off of yourself and get your eyes on him. Jesus. 
the prayer teams come up here if you're on the prayer teams you're welcome to come up front here so people know where to come and let's believe God for miracles if you got anything you need prayer for your physical body pains aches I don't care if you've been prayed for before Jesus prayed for a blind man twice if Jesus had to pray for someone twice we can pray for you a thousand times or until he comes back so you never know man when that kernel is going to pop so come up to the prayer team let them pray for you again the last thing I want to say is, Miss Brenda, I know you didn't know that I was going to bring these three flagstones from your garden in the backyard. I will replace them this afternoon, I promise. In Jesus' name. God bless you guys. We'll see you here next Sunday morning. <laughs>